Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's out of Max Sports. Instagram is also out of Max Sports. TikTok, YouTube, also out of Max Sports. It's episode 84. Kyle's sick, but no days off for us like we've done in the exactly. past. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to try to mute my mic whenever I have to blow my nose. Uh, but if I don't, I apologize in advance. But we're going to power through it because, like Skyler said, no days off when it comes to this stuff. Let's just go ahead and get right into it. Yeah. What was the, your favorite thing that you saw from this past week, Skyler? It's got to be the Warriors' hot start in the first round, taking the first two games, uh, you know, especially with a limited Steph Curry. But as we saw last night, he is the greatest six man of all time, 34 points off the bench. Another guy, Jordan Poole, who we've all been talking about. Now the world will be um, second most, only behind Wilt Chamberlain in Warriors' playoff points in the first two games. We got the lineup of death. It's looking great for the Warriors right now. They're dangerous as ever. Yeah, they look they look very fun to watch. And I think as a Warrior fan, seeing this team finally fully healthy is very good to see. And we're, I mean, still no Wiseman, but Wiseman's obviously not coming back this year. Yeah. Uh, for me, I'm going to talk about the A's because they're off to a hot start. They won three out of four in Tampa uh, over this past week. And part of that was last week as well. Uh, so I guess it would just be technically the last three games of that series, but I'm going over that whole series there. Uh, three out of four from the Rays. I mean, how can you not like that? A whole bunch of clutch hitting from the A's all throughout the lineup, especially with runners in scoring position and two outs. And they're continuing to play well. So that's probably the favorite thing I saw over this past week, especially yeah. since you put Warriors on there. Yes. Because the Warriors I mean, someone's are the favorite it. thing that I saw. Yeah. Uh, so right after that, it's episode 84. So who's your favorite number 84, Skyler? I'm going to go with uh, a Madden legend, Herman Moore, the Lions receiver. Uh, back in the day, you know, playing Madden 25. Uh, getting a, a receiver who's 6'5", 6'6", was, was pretty overpowered back in the day. Uh, so that's where I know him from because I didn't watch the Lions uh, in the 90s. So I apologize to Sham for that, but I wasn't alive. But Herman Moore, great Madden player. Yeah, I'm going to go with a bit of a sarcastic one here. And I'm going with two legendary Raider receivers, Antonio Brown and Randy Moss. Uh, Randy Moss didn't wear 18 for the Raiders. Or he didn't wear 84 for the Raiders. He wore 18. And obviously, Antonio Brown never played for us. But he was on the team. He suited up for one preseason game. And that's about it. All right. So next up, Immaculate Sports Player of the Week. I feel like it's kind of weird to do the stats sometimes. So we went to go with the biggest moment and Jason Tatum definitely had the biggest moment of the week when he had that game winner over the, the Nets in game one of that series with the Celtics and the Nets, obviously. I mean, that series is going to be fun to watch. We'll talk more about that a bit later at halftime, but Jason Tatum is the Mac sports player of the week. Now let's go ahead and get to team reports and then we'll get the spotlight before we go ahead and get to where's your head at. Yes. Anything going on with the Jets? I mean, you guys have the draft coming up. I mean, I guess the Raiders do too, but not really picking four and ten. So, yeah, just pretty much only rumors left with the draft. What are we going to do at number four, number ten? But uh, right now, I guess the biggest news would be AJ Brown, Tennessee Titans receiver. Uh, again, I uh, I don't like to look too much into the social media 
stuff, but he has wiped the Titans clean and he's not shown up to the offseason program. We'll talk more about the offseason programs in halftime, but uh, this is for obvious reasons on the Jets' radar. Looking for a yeah. number one receiver. Should be looking to trade for a guy like this. Exactly. It's a good thing there. Uh, the Raiders, they had their OTAs. Everybody showed up. Uh, that's good to see. It looks like a lot of people are buying in. Devontae Adams continues to post stuff as him and the Raiders, stuff like that. His cleats, him driving past the stadium. I enjoy it. It still seems very surreal to me. I can't wait to see him play his first game in the silver and black. And it's it's a pretty good spot right now for the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and get the spotlight now. Uh, take it to minor league baseball for Skyler. Tell me about the A's minor leaguer Grant Holman. All right. Grant Holman, kind of a California legend, pitched in the Little League World Series, went to Cal, was a two-way star there. But now she's focusing on the pitching. Um, first season this year with the Lansing Lugnuts, A's affiliate, pitching against the West Michigan Whitecaps on the 14th. Through an immaculate inning, which is always great, you know, since we're immaculate sports and all. So great start for him. Ended up getting the loss, but uh, gave up one run and they got shut out. So sorry, Grant Holman, for getting the loss, but I did not forget about your immaculate inning. Of course. Yeah, definitely kind of hard to go ahead and get the win when your team doesn't score a single run. I'm going to be talking about somebody that's been putting up runs recently, and that's Owen Miller. He leads the MLB in the o- in OPS. That's the Guardians' first baseman, utility man, whatever you want to call him. I did not know this guy could hit like this. He hasn't been able to hit like this his whole career, so maybe he's just on an insane hot stretch. And within two weeks, we're not going to talk about Owen Miller ever again on the show. As of right now, he's hitting 500, 545 OBP, with a 1.509 OPS, leads them will be in doubles, has two home runs. He's not striking out. 14 hits in nine games. Uh, Owen Miller. I mean, this guy's been an absolute stud so far. Absolutely. I mean, Mr. Stephen Kwan going off yeah. in Cleveland. Yeah, Kwan slowed down a little bit, yeah. but he's still obviously going God mode right now. He struck out a couple times, though, unfortunately. But yeah, it concludes Spotlight. Let's go ahead and get to Where's Your Head At, where we start with Player, Pitcher, and Rookie of the Week in the MLB. Skyler, who's your Player of the Week? Well, uh, it's a very Dodger-heavy award to start it off here because the Dodgers didn't lose this week. So my Player of the Week is going to be Trey Turner. He was hitting 9 for 24. That's a 375 average. He had a double, a triple, a homer off Hunter Green. Eight RBIs and three stolen bases. Uh him getting going obviously a lot of the Dodgers did too but he played a big role in the Dodgers getting back on track here this week yeah there's a lot of guys to pick for player of the week I think we had I don't think we really had one guy go absolutely crazy to the point where you have to pick them but we had a whole bunch of guys go off and I went with Manny Machado for my player of the week a five hit game I don't think it was six yeah five hit game a few nights ago he helped me out on prize picks yeah, going nine for 22, two home runs, seven RBIs. That uh, gives him a 409 average with a 1.281 OPS. Uh, no, that was, that was wrong. I read Sean Murphy's stats. My bad. Uh, 12 for 26, two home runs, still five RBIs. 
462 with the 1.270 OPS. So Andy Machado is my player of the week. Let's go to pitcher of the week now. All right. My pitcher of the week was very simple. Clayton Kershaw, 2-0, 3 ERA, 20 strikeouts, and seven perfect innings at Minnesota. Yeah, I went with Kershaw as well. I, I think there's a chance like you could have gone with somebody else here just because yeah. Kershaw didn't pitch that well in his most recent start. But just because his first start, seven perfect innings with 13 strikeouts, I, I had to go with one of the goats uh, of pitching in the last 20 years of baseball. So the Southpaw goes ahead and gets the pitcher of the week for me. And then that takes us to rookie of the week. Who do you got here? Say Suzuki had a great week, but I didn't go with him. This week, I couldn't do it. I had to go with uh, another Pac-12 boy and Spencer Torkelson. Very slow start, but he's finally starting to get it going. Five for 12 with a 417 average. Two homers, five ribbies this week. Great for the Sun Devil. Yeah. I won't want to see a Suzuki. Uh, it's very hard not to. And whenever he slows down, I won't pick him for Rookie of the Week. But as of right now, That's when fair. he's going hot, I'm picking him. I'm riding the wave with Sia Suzuki, and that brings us to we've gone through about 10 games so far in the MLB season. Each team, I believe, has played 10 games at this point. Maybe a couple teams have played nine. I know the Cardinals had like three rainouts. Same thing with the Royals. But we're going to talk about the most surprising team and the most disappointing starts uh, in the MLB season so far. So we'll start off on the high note. Who's been the most surprising for you so far? All right, I'm going to go with the Mets for my most surprising. You may think uh, this may be a little cheap because they're kind of a media darling, but I didn't pick them to uh, make the playoffs this year in our, our preseason show. Um, you know, I, uh, I didn't really expect it to click right away, especially the starting pitching. McGill, Carlos Carrasco, the cookie, and Bassett have been completely lights out this year. Um, Lindor, Nimmo, McNeil all look like they're back to their old self even though Nimmo's now on the 10-day injured list. Hopefully we get him back. And all the new He's addition- playing today. But oh, he is? Okay. Yeah, he, he pitch ran. He's up right now, actually. I just watched him hit ground ball to first. All right, good. Good. Uh, all the new additions. Marcana's an on-base machine, of course. Uh, and no DeGrom yet, and they're still doing all this. You know, the bullpen, as predicted, is a little sketchy. But when you're only giving up two runs a game, it doesn't matter as much. So going with the Mets. Yeah. The Mets are a good choice here. I did think they'd be pretty good, though. Uh, so I went with the Rockies. I mean, this team, the hitting hasn't surprised me. They've been scoring a lot of runs, but they are eighth in the MLB in Team ERA right now, and that is what is extremely shocking to me. It's due to their bullpen. Their bullpen has been so good so far. Tyler Kinley, six appearances, hasn't a lot of run yet. Carlos Estevez has been very good on the bullpen as well. Jacob Lawrence, Ashton Goodell. Ty Block, I mean, a whole bunch of people that are pretty much no names uh, when it comes to relievers in the MLB. And that usually what happens uh, when you're a reliever for the Colorado Rockies. But all these guys are stepping up right now, and they haven't even had the best reliever pitch for them so far mm-hmm. this year. That's Robert Stevenson. Uh, starting pitching hasn't been the greatest so far. sensatello has been good. Chad cool has been really, really good. Freeland uh, just got but, paid. Yeah, Freeland just got paid, but he's – Ironically, been their worst pitcher so far this season. He's allowed 10 runs in nine innings. Uh, but 
hey, I mean, I guess it's good enough in Coors to go ahead and get you $55 million. So congrats to Cal Freeland. And they are my most surprising team to start the season. The other side of the ball, though, who's the most disappointing team for you? So far? All right, we're going to the other side of the state here with the Yankees. I know five and five isn't horrible. I know they took two out of three against Boston, but they just lost a series to Baltimore and Camden Yards. That's like a, another home field for them. Uh, I, I think there's something wrong with Garrett Cole. I wrote this even before today. He got yanked in the second inning against the Tigers because he walked in a run. Um, and, you know, the staples, I say in air quotes for their lineup, the guys that they they thought for sure these were the guys who were going to be fine, even with trades. Uh, Donaldson, Torres, IKF, Gallo, Rizzo, off to rough starts. Um, we know they're going to make some trades here. So here, actually, I won't I won't uh, get into that part of it. That's for the next segment. Sorry, I'll end it right there. Disappointing. I know it's not horrible, but they should be better. You need to be better, Yankees. Yeah. Uh, most disappointing for me so far, I'm going to go with the Braves. They're sitting at five and seven right now, and the offense has been good. But it's been the exact opposite of what the Rockies have that got them to their hot start, which has led the Braves to their terrible start so far. That's allowing 59 or 62 runs so far this season, which gives them a minus 12, minus 9 uh, runs score versus runs allowed ratio. And that's not good, especially for the reigning champs. And this kind of scares me a little bit. I mean, I know they're going to get Ronald Acuna back. They I mean, I don't know if Mike Soroka is going to pitch in the MLB ever again because he's had a whole bunch of injuries yeah. in his career. But they're not really getting anybody back when it comes to pitching. So you can score runs all you want, but if you're allowing five, six runs a game, you're just not going to win that many games. I do expect them to eventually turn it around because it's kind of uncharacteristic for some of these guys to be doing so bad. Like Kenley Jansen allowing three runs already in four innings has been a little skeptical to me. Charlie Morton's not going to have a seven or a six ERA throughout the season. Same thing with Max Freed and same with thing. Uh, Huascar Yona has been absolutely terrible so far. So I assume he will probably clean it up. But regardless, they're disappointing for me. I expect them to pick it up here soon because they are the reigning champs and they do have one of the best first basemen in all of baseball right now with Matt Olson and how crazy he's been going. Absolutely. But I got to pick the Braves here. All right, let's go ahead and set it to halftime. But before that, a little preview of what we're going to be doing next on Where's Your Head At once we come back from uh, halftime. That's going to be who will finish higher. We're going to pick two teams from each division in the MLB and see where we think right now and where we think they will be ending up at the end of the season. So if you want to listen to that, stick around through halftime and we'll talk about it. But first off, let's go to halftime. All right. Halftime, because we'll start it off with some basketball news. Marcus Smart, the guard from Boston, wins Defensive Player of the Year. A big win for the guards. First guard to win it since Gary Payton. I know I'm a pretty big guy, uh, normal standards here in the United States, but 6'5", I would be a guard too. So good for Marcus Smart. Uh, (laughs) It's very very weird. I saw a TikTok about it, actually. I forget who it was that made it. But Marcus Smart's odds at winning Defensive Player of the Year a month ago was plus 22,000. And he won it. Like, that's just, like... Yeah. And Defensive Player of the Year isn't just something that, like, 
you know, you can just have like a little stretch and then go ahead and win it. You know, like it's, it's something that I think is, has to be very steady throughout the season. I think what really got him it is that people realized towards the end of the season that it was the best defensive player on the best defensive team in basketball that was helping the Celtics win these games. But to think that everybody realized it is kind of crazy to me. But again, congrats to Marcus Smart. Obviously one of the best defensive players in all of basketball. Well, to double down on what you just said, everybody finally realized it. You know, a similar thing happened with the second place guy, McCall Bridges from the Suns. I was really happy to see that. You know, I, I like Gobert. Uh, no disrespect to him. He's, you know, one of the best defensive players. But uh, I'm glad Bridges and Smart finally got uh, got the hardware to prove it. You know, Bridges not quite yet, but he got the second place votes. So good for him. Uh, we're going to do a, a recap of all the NBA finals game, NBA playoff games, not the finals yet. Uh, how did you want to do this one, Kyle? I'll just go over some of the things that we've seen so far and uh, where the series are at right now. Uh, so first off with the Warriors, we're up 2-0. We're playing good basketball, two blowouts so far. I've really liked what I've seen from the Warriors. I'll I give mean, a one-sentence uh, recap after you. Pool is swimming. Yes, sir. Jazz Mavs, no Lucas so far, but the series is still tied 1-1. Jalen Brunson went off for 41 in game two to help even up the series. Uh, game three, I believe, will be Thursday. And Lucas coming back for that. Choked. Yeah. You got to yeah, go up too well without Luca. Come on now. They, yeah. they blew it, in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. I think they probably lost the series just based off of that. Uh, that game alone, they, yesterday, losing to a non-Luka Mavs team is very mm. tough. Raptors-Celtics, or not Raptors-Celtics, that's not a series. Raptors-Sixers, Sixers are dominating so far. Raptors have gotten hurt uh, quite a bit. Scotty Barnes rolled his ankle, and some other players have been struggling to stay healthy throughout the games. But the Sixers are up 2-0, and they look very, very good right now. Free throws win championships? Maybe. Maybe. This is, uh, well, this is unscripted, by the way. Free throws. <laughs> Can't tell. <laughs> uh, there is a game going on right now. Hawks and the Heat are tied at 42. Miami won the first game of that series by quite a landslide. What do we got going on right now? Skyler? We got a pretty Wait, close game happens? here. Uh, I, I don't have a clever way to say this, but uh, John Collins needs to be playing 30 minutes a game if they want a chance here. Yeah, he's coming back from injury i think he had a 15 or 20 minute minute restriction in game one and obviously that's not gonna be able to get it done for them yeah. next series we're gonna talk about game two will be tonight in this series that's the timberwolves and the grizzlies timberwolves took game one in a very exciting fashion they won 130 to 117 anthony edwards went off for 36 so game two tonight minnesota up 1-0 stefan diggs what? The Minneapolis Miracle. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah. As I was pretty confused on what you meant by, by that first. So, <laughs> so two more series or three more that we haven't talked about yet. Celtics Nets. We talked about that actually a little bit in the open, but Celtics obviously won game one. Jason Tatum had that crazy game winner. 
This series looks like it's going to be the real deal. Boston's up 1-0. Seven games, please. Yes, please give us six more of those games. That was a very exciting game one. Two more left, the Bucks and the Bulls. Low-scoring matchup in game one. Bucks won 93-86. Game two will be tomorrow. Bucks and four. Yeah, uh, I'd say the same thing there. Suns and Pelicans is the last one to talk about. Game one got a little closer than expected at the end of it. 99 to 110 victory for the Suns. Aaron Valanciunas had 25 rebounds in game one. Uh, but CP3 went off for 30 because rebounds don't equate to points, obviously. And uh, the Suns took game one and they're up one nothing. Game two is tonight. Aiden, control the paint. Yeah, grab the fucking rebounds, Andre. And <laughs> He's the X-factor for this entire tournament, I think. Yeah. But that's going to do it for the NBA playoffs recap. Mm-hmm. Tell me about some players that skipped the program. Yeah, so we've been hearing. Uh, we'll start off with Debo Samuel receiving death threats from Niner fans. I think that's a bit ridiculous. You know, the Niners haven't paid anyone in a long time, and I think if if anyone – should be that guy. It would be Debo Samuel. And uh, he's not there at the at the offseason program. And people don't like it. You know, I, uh, I'm i not going to make a prediction today of uh, whether I think he's going to be re-signed. Uh, right now, it seems like he probably wouldn't be based on the history of the Niners paying people. But come on, guys. I mean, it, as a Jets fan, Revis didn't show up. You know, we still love him. You know, he even went to the Patriots and we still love him. So uh, take, yeah, a, take a deep breath. All right. Uh, uh, I think loving, loving Revis even after he went to the, the Patriots. So it was a little much at some time. You know, okay. I'm sorry, Kyle. Uh, similar story here with less death threats with Terry McLaurin. Uh, another guy who's looking for a new team. I guess he doesn't like Carson Wentz. At least a new contract. Shocker. Uh, yeah, he's not going to be at the program. Uh, so watch out for him. The other guy, an obvious one here in Baker Mayfield, uh, he won't be playing for the Browns ever again. So it makes sense why he wouldn't go to their uh, offseason program. Um, yeah, maybe we see him go to Seattle is what I've been I've hearing. Carolina, Carolina as well. Robbie hey, but didn't you hear what Bob McAdoo said? I did not, but I did see what Robbie Anderson said. And Robbie Anderson said multiple times, on Instagram that he does yeah. not want Baker Mayfield to be his quarterback. All those guys apparently really like Sam Darnold. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, I, I think this is a situation we've talked about it before. We got to wait and see what happens with the draft. Cause if guys are falling to the second round, those quarterbacks, there's maybe five, six guys who are capable of being drafted in the first two rounds. If those guys all fall and people are trading up and not taking them, you know, with a premium pick and, We'll know what the deal is here. We'll know Baker has a higher market. Uh, another guy we found out today, A.J. Brown, skipping the program. He's not happy with Tennessee. I talked about this a little bit with the Jet Report. Another similar situation. Receiver wants to get paid because the receivers are the new running backs. You know, uh, they're being used in different ways. We saw with Debo, especially this year, and they have a, a higher prone to injury now. They want to get their payday. And yeah, that's uh, that's all I have for those guys. Um, we'll we'll go back to some baseball here. The original reason we had halftime was to talk about some of the uh, blunders that happened over the week, and this was a pretty big one. 
for the Blue Jays. Um, the A's Blue Jays series, the second game of the series over the weekend. Jeff Nelson, the home plate umpire, um, made some some controversial calls here, even through uh, the the manager Monter Mon. Montoya, I can't pronounce his name. I'm sorry. Charlie Montoyo. Charlie Montoyo out of the game here. And I I have some of the stats. If you don't know the umpire scorecards, they have a website, Twitter page. uh, They track. I follow it. There you go. Well, I'm talking to the, you know, to everybody. (laughs) Uh, They have all the numbers. It's a good follow. It is. Uh, Jeff Nelson, he had in 160 called pitches, 22 were wrong. That's the second highest this season. His accuracy on those calls, 86.2%. That is the lowest by far this year. And it favored, even though I weren't A's fans here, uh, it favored the A's by over a run. And uh, I'm not, uh, you know, going to comment more on that because Pache, you know, had a game-winning homer. I don't think the balls and strikes the inning after really mattered for the win or not. But, mm. but yeah, this was a horrendous, horrendous umpiring experience. I think even as an ace fan, I was a little uh, disturbed by it. Yeah, you're just like, there's definitely some moments, some moments where I said, thank you, Mr. Nelson. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he shouldn't be an MLB umpire if he's having a game like that. Yeah. Robo right. once. Hey, they're trying it out in the, uh, in the lower level minors. Atlantic League. All right. Uh, we got two weeks. Kyle, until the NFL draft, it's always a big, uh, big moment for us here since we were one week, technically for our show. Yeah. Yeah. Technically one week. Uh, so I have our second to last mock draft here and I'm just going to get into it. This is kind of what I've been hearing. Kind of what makes sense to me. No trades on this one. Maybe I'll do some trades for the last one, but here we go. Number one pick Jacksonville Jaguars. I have them taking Aiden Hutchinson. He is, I I wouldn't consider him the best player available, but it seems like, uh, I don't know. It just makes more sense than taking anybody else here. I don't think they're going to take a tackle. Number one, number two, Detroit lion. Sorry. Probably should take a tackle. They probably should. Number two, the Lions, a team that took a tackle last year, so I'm not having them take a tackle again. Going with Trayvon Walker, the edge rusher from Georgia. Not the quarterback, Malik Willis here. Trayvon Walker's been a, a huge riser through the uh, – He's gone up so much. I I, oh, I yeah. muted my mic there for a second while I was blowing my nose. Like, I, I know who this guy is. Yeah. But what – why is he a number two pick candidate now? He's an athletic freak and he's young and these teams want to want to take a risk on a guy who, even though he's not perfect, he could get to the quarterback extremely fast because that's what this league's all about now. Sure. All right. Number three, Houston Texans. Again, kind of the best player available situation. I haven't taken sauce Gardner from Cincinnati. Um, it could be an edge rusher here, but I haven't passed it on Thibodeau. Uh, pretty could be anything really. Um, but they don't need a quarterback. Best player available, Sauce Gardner. Number four, the Jets' first of two picks in the top ten here. I haven't taken Kayvon Thibodeau. This is this is just the guy I want. This is, in my opinion, the best player in the draft. I know he has some character concerns. I don't care. Let Sala, you know, smack the concerns out of him here, and uh, let's rebuild the defense. 
At number five, mm-hmm. the Giants are extremely happy to get the guy they want, Ika Mekwanu, Sticky Icky, tackle, guard, offensive, uh, whatever. God. Offensive God from NC State. Um, and, yeah, the offensive line for the Giants is probably the worst part about a uh, terrible team. So you want to pick that up, too. The Panthers also at six, I think, maybe in play for quarterback. But I haven't taken Evan Neal here since he doesn't go number one or to the Texans or to the Jets or to the Giants or whatever. Evan Neal's a great, great left tackle. Um he is a massive dude and it's all in the lower body. So you're not, uh, you're not pushing him around. Uh, number seven, the giants last pick in the first round here, Jermaine Johnson, edge rusher from Florida state, little older guy, but he's rising because, uh, another guy who has been great at the combine senior bowl, um, should be pretty much ready to go. Number eight here. I have the Falcons taken Malik Willis, finally a quarterback off the board, the strong arm one from Liberty goes to the Falcons here who have Mariota as their starter as of today. So that I don't want to see sense. Marcus though, you know, kind of Marcus to. would probably be starting though. Yeah. Number nine, the Seahawks trade up here with the Russell Wilson trade. Of course they get Charles cross a left tackle to start the rebuild here. Uh, another guy. I'm sure they'd be happy. For that hey, it's not a rebuild, man. It's not a rebuild. Okay. Whatever That's you what say. they said. The retool and uh, re-engage. Re-engaging with your luck. All right. Number 10, finish off. The Jets are taking Jamison Williams here. Um, The thing about Jamison Williams is I know he's coming off an injury, but you don't expect your rookie receiver to be fully ready to go right away, especially now. Yeah, give me a crazy look, Kyle. Okay. It's similar with Elijah Moore, even though he was hurt last year, didn't play the full season. We still saw huge improvement and I'm willing to take that risk with Jamison Williams here. Two blue chippers in the top 10 is fine with me. Uh, I guess we'll skip around here. Go to the notables uh, at 13. I have the Texans taking Drake London receiver from USC. Another uh, best player up. available. Another injured receiver. Yeah. Who's going to be a top receiver drafted into in the NFL. Which is- yeah weird this year because it is weird fall but both both of them have risen this year so good for them uh the saints at 16 uh they lose their left tackle teron armstead but they are very happy to have trevor penning uh similar sized guy from northern iowa fall here could be a little bit of a project but he throws dudes around the eagles take chris alave at 18 receiver i i have a feeling the receivers are going to go a little higher so Maybe the Patriots, Packers, and Chiefs of the world will have to either trade up or just suck it up. <laughs> I know you're probably happy to hear that, Kyle, because you're going to be going against those guys. 19, though, I have the Saints taking Kenny Pickett. I know they uh, they signed Jamison Win- uh, Winston, Jameis Winston, Jesus, uh, <laughs> for two years here. But uh, I feel like there's a reason they have two first-round picks this year. There's a reason they did it, and they didn't save it for next year. Uh, they're going to do something interesting here. All right. We got the Packers replacing Devontae Adams, kind of, with Jahan Dotson, speedster from Penn State, the receiver. We got the Titans in my situation, you know, in case they're losing A.J. Brown. Here's a similar bodied guy in Traylon Burks from Arkansas. I feel like that would be a, a pretty quick transition. Kansas City Chiefs, like I said, they need a receiver, so they're going to take Sky Moore. Receiver from Western Michigan, another guy who 
kind of destroyed everybody at the, you know, pre-draft uh, workouts and everything. And uh, 32 will end it off with the Lions taking a quarterback. Matt Corral from Ole Miss. Uh, I think this guy might be my quarterback one to start off the year. Coming off the injury, which hurts him a lot. But someone's going to take a risk because this guy can sling it. And that wraps it up. I'm excited. Uh, I feel like this year we really have no idea what's going on. There's about maybe 50 different guys that could be going night one. And it's usually maybe 35. So should be pretty crazy. So do you happen to know who might be going 86? 86? Oh, yeah, is that your first pick? first pick? Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we could talk about this off the off the show for sure, but as of right now, I, I didn't say I didn't think that you had you had up to 86 uh, picked. So I'll, I'll go ahead and give you a pass on that one. But uh, thank you. See you in day two NFL drafts. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for halftime. Let's go to who will finish higher. In the second half of where's your head at? And we're starting off with two AL East foes, the Yankees and the Red Sox. Currently, both of these teams are five and five. Who will finish higher at the end of the season, Skyler? I'm sticking with the Yankees in this one, like I did uh, preseason. I, I just, even though I don't trust Garrett Cole, I trust their pitching staff as a whole more. Uh, I, As I was kind of alluding to at the end of the last baseball segment, I think they're going to make another big trade. You know, because their lineup right now is just not working. And that's how the Yankees roll. If it's uh, not Judge, Stanton, or Hicks, they will move from you quickly. And I, I just I just don't like their title odds at all, but I'd take them over Boston. Going into today, the Yankees have allowed the least runs in the AL, but they have also scored the second least runs in the AL. And I'm going to pick the Boston Red Sox here, who I also picked – uh, two weeks ago to finish higher than the Yankees just because for the simple fact, I think their team's better. I think the environment in Boston is better to I win agree right now. That. Cause I think when you are losing Yankees team, that crowd is going to fucking hate you. And they're just going to drill into you night after night after night. And it gets very tough to play. And I think it's going to be a tough season for the Yankees and Aaron judge isn't going to be Yankee next year. That's my bold prediction oh, right now. All right. Guardians and the Tigers for our AL Central. All right. The Guardians uh, right now, by a, the way. Yeah. Right now, by the way, before you, you go ahead and make your point. Yes. Both of these teams are four and five. Okay. Okay. That changes everything. Yeah. <laughs> Cleveland had a hot start. The JRAM extension's huge, but I, I just see more sustainability with Detroit's lineup here. They spent a lot of money on these guys and they're going to put it all together eventually, probably when Omago comes back. And uh, they're just a little farther along than Cleveland is. I don't think Cleveland can can keep it going with uh, with Quan and Miller. And, and I love J-Ram, but probably not him either. Yeah, I'm picking the Tigers here as well. Uh, I think Cleveland scoring 49 runs so far in their first nine games is amazing. And the Tigers scoring 28 runs in their first nine games Not is absolutely so terrible. But I think there's a higher chance that those two flip uh, than they don't at this point. I mean, if Owen Miller and Stephen Kwan prove me wrong in June and July and August and September, then props to them. But this Tigers team is a better team than Cleveland, especially deep through the lineup. They're I'm not saying Detroit has a deep lineup by any means, but they have a better lineup than 
the Cleveland Guardians do. I think I almost said Indians there. So I'm very happy that I saved it with the Guardians. AOS now, the A's and the Rangers. Right now, the Rangers are sitting at one of the worst records, if not, yeah, the the worst record in the MLB at two and seven. And the A's are one game over 500 at six and five. Yeah, I got to go with the A's as of right now. The Texas lineup is really cold, other than Jonah Heim and Corey Seeger. Uh, shout out to Joe Madden for intentionally walking him with the bases loaded. Uh, their starting pitchers have a combined ERA of seven. And at least Oakland has been able to stay in, in close games here with uh, with dudes stepping up from the pitching staff. And you just don't see that from Texas. i got to go with Oakland. Yeah, I'm going with the A's here as well. I think they're looking at it right now. There's a decent chance the A's can go ahead and win 75 to 80 games just because of how how easy it is to play in Oakland as, mm. as a player where it's just you're not going to get ridiculed every single night if you don't start off your career getting off hot. I mean, Kevin Smith started off his career 0 for 16 with the A's. Still, his first at-bat, people were giving him round of applause and going hey, crazy. Chapman and Olsen couldn't hit when they got called up, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you get called up in New York or one of these other big markets and you go 0 for 16 to start off your career, you might be getting booze your first at home at bat. So to see that for Kevin Smith, and I mean, the Ace fans are already rally, rallying around uh, Christian Pache. Yeah. I definitely got to pick the A's. A little bit about the Rangers here. I mean, their pitching staff sucks. That's all I got for you. They can score runs, but their pitching staff sucks. On to the NL now. With the Marlins and the Phillies, these two teams played last weekend. Uh, Marlins took two out of three in Miami. Right now, Miami is sitting at four and five, and the Phillies are sitting at four and seven. Yeah, uh, right now I have to say Miami. I This is one I did switch from the preseason prediction. I had the Phils in second in the East. But, uh, you know, Miami just won three out of four head-to-head against them. Marlins added a lot of power. Jazz Chisholm is going to be a star if he's not already one. And the rotation is is deeper than Phillies. You know, the, the Philly has uh, Ranger Suarez with a, a pretty good start last week. Other than that, nothing. You know, and the rotation from from Miami, Alcantara, Lopez off the great starts, Lazardo with a great first start with them. And, uh, you know, the uh, rookie of the year runner up last year, too. Not a great start, but we know he can he can swing it. When he, when he wants to, so got to go with Miami. Yeah, Philly's been super disappointing for me so far. They were the second team I was going to put on the most disappointing start for me. Uh, we talked about this earlier, but since I didn't pick them to be that good, I didn't put them yeah. on there. Uh, Zach Wheeler's been terrible so far. Aaron Nola hasn't been that good almost at Austin. Uh, Kel Gibson's been decent, but besides that, the rotation has not been good. Their bullpen hasn't been anything crazy. Their lineup hasn't been putting up an insane amount of runs. That we and you, with the amount of errors up. they've been making, they have to be insane. Exactly. It's. I think you can have a lot of stars in baseball, but if you don't do the little things right, you're not going to win a lot of games. And that's exactly what the Phillies are. Miami, I don't know if they're going to be a great team this year, but their offense has definitely improved a lot since last year. Got, adding guys like Aviso Gar- Garcia uh, and Jorge Soler are really going to help them out. Wendell hit a triple a couple days yeah, ago. Yeah, Wendell being in there as well. Uh, just the growth of Jazz Chisholm and guys like that within their lineup is really going to help as well. So I think I got to take Miami here because their pitching staff is also 
mm-hmm. better than Phillies. On to the NL Central, we are we have two probably bottom feeders, uh, yeah. Pirates and Cincy. Right now, the Cincinnati Reds actually do have the worst record in the league. Uh, my bad, Texas Ranger fans. They are two and nine, and then Pittsburgh's off to decent start at five and five. Yeah, I have to go with the Reds here. They started off against Atlanta, the Dodgers, and a, a Cleveland team that didn't strike out ever. And the difference is they have dudes that aren't going anywhere. Jonathan India, Joey Botto, Tyler Stevenson, Castillo, and Hunter Green. is uh, Shout out to him, by the way, for breaking the record. Most 100-mile-per-hour pitches in a game, 39 or something like that. Uh, who knows if that'll translate. We, oh, it's a whole other conversation with uh, – with the Cardinals turning Hicks into a starter, but uh, yeah, I, I, I got to take the reds here. I don't think the pirates can, can sustain any of this. I'm going to go with the pirates. I don't think the pirates are going to be good. I just think the reds are going to be terrible. I think there's a lot of signs right now where I just don't see their pitching side of the ball really getting any, any much better. I mean, honey, Hunter green's been a fun thing to watch, but he's still giving up five runs and 10 innings right now. So He's going to be decent. Tether Maley has been terrible so far this season. They're not getting any. Even though he was supercharged. Yeah, he was supercharged, but he hasn't been good ever since. Uh, Luis Castillo isn't pitching quite yet. I assume he'll probably be moved by the deadline. Uh, Jonathan India is already hurt. He just got put on the 10-day IL today. The lineup isn't deep. Joey Votto's there, but that's pretty much it at this point, especially once they trade away Suarez and Winker. As this Philly team, or not Philly, Cincy team just does not have any any good part to it right now. And even though Pittsburgh isn't good at really anything either, I just think they're a tad bit better than Cincy. Lastly, for the NL West, we're going to do Colorado and San Diego. Both of these teams off to decent starts. Colorado is going ham right now seven and three and the Padres are at seven and five even without their best player Fernando Tatis Jr. So by the end of the season who do you think is going to end up being ranked higher? Colorado's impressing me for sure but I I still have to go with the Padres here. Uh, Their lineup's been been great and they're still missing Tatis. You know guys like Hosmer who just got got so ridiculed during spring and even the start of the year is is kind of on fire right now and I think the difference here is they have a factory of arms that's going to carry them through the dog days of summer where all the pitchers hit the IL and you're, you're calling up the, you know, I love them, but the Dalton Jeffries of the world, the uh, prospects who aren't on anybody's radar, but they're kind of quad a triple a guys. And those guys, uh, you know, aren't going to keep you in the wild card race. Usually. Yeah, this, this is a tough choice for me. I think this is one of the hardest ones that we've had throughout here. Uh, especially, I just like Colorado so far. I think they've done a really good job with just everything. I think Chris Bryant signing there was an amazing signing now, looking at it just in the first mm-hmm. 10 games that he's been there. Padres, I think, are going to be a very good team. And I actually do think they end up finishing higher than Colorado. But I just still want to talk about Colorado because – they're fun. I think uh, when it comes to NL, NL playoff picture, I think there's going to be a few teams battling for three teams battling for two spots. And I think those three teams will probably be Colorado, SF and San Diego. I don't think the Giants really keep up their insanely hot start that they have. I don't think they're as good as last year. 
And then Colorado can float around 88 to 90 wins if they play really well throughout the season. And then the Padres, I, I mean, who really knows right now with the Padres? They're kind of mm. the most biggest question mark team because Tatis isn't going to be back until June or July. Even, you maybe. see him playing soccer and almost broke yeah, his ankle. Yeah, and then he fell. <laughs> I'm just like, this kid's completely reckless when it comes to this stuff. But uh, Let him have fun, but Jesus. I'm going to go with the Padres as a safe choice, but I could definitely see the Rockies staying hot for a couple months and Padres just maintaining around 500. Uh, and maybe if the teaser doesn't come back until very early August or late July, whatever it is. And uh, having the Rockies just finish a little bit higher than them, but I'm going with the Padres as my safe choice. All right. Let's go ahead and get to the bets and let's get on out of here where it was a weird week for the bets. Cause a lot of them haven't really cashed out yet, I guess, uh, is the right way to say it. Yeah, our math last was a bit had, off on that. <laughs> yeah, last week I had the Pelicans over the Spurs. That did happen. Pelicans ended up also beating the Clippers and making the play-in or making the playoffs. So shout out to them. They're probably going to get swept, though. And then Skyler had Milwaukee win series over the Chicago Bulls. I assume next week when we get around to this, that will turn green. So good job, Skyler, I guess. Uh, and then this week I have what? W- oh, White Sox over Cleveland <laughs> on Thursday. Uh, Dylan Cease is pitching this game, and I think Dylan Cease has a decent chance to win AL Cy Young this year, especially with the mm-hmm. slow start for guys like Garrett Cole. So I'm going with the White Sox on Thursday. I'm not changing my pick here. I'm going to stick with Milwaukee winning the series against Chicago. I think this has the best chance of going to a sweep and it's free money. Go bet on it. Then we go to the bold prediction side of the ball. I had the bucks sweep the bulls is my bold prediction that hasn't cashed out yet. Uh, So I guess technically that'll also be part of my uh, bold prediction for this week. But then last week, Skyler had the Brewers win the series over the Cardinals. I believe that was a 2-2 series split there. They split it, yeah. So, Skyler put his in yellow. I think that's fair there. Technically, I'm wrong, but but yeah, I put it in yellow. Because my guy Ashby got the win in uh, game four. He's been my guy. He's Uh, Sorry for (laughs) disrupting, but Aaron Ashby is disgusting. And then this week I have Milwaukee Brewers sweeping Philly just because I think Philly sucks. And I think mm-hmm. Milwaukee has a chance to really start to get things going here. I'm just sticking with the theme of Milwaukee sports. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have the Seattle Mariners sweeping Kansas city. I think Seattle's due. They got Marco Gonzalez, Chris Flexen, Robbie Ray going in those three games. I wish I had a little bit of Matt Brash in there cause he's been on fire, but this will have to do Kansas city. Can't really hit right now. So. Go with Seattle to sweep and some low-scoring games. Yeah. So that's going to do it for episode 84. Talked about baseball, talked about the NFL draft, talked about the NBA playoffs. Probably going to be the exact same thing next week, just with a different time. Yeah. And we'll have uh, coming up to uh, grading the draft picks from the first round, like we did last year. That's always fun. Yes, sir. You know what we should do? We should – we should – Maybe not after a year, but at some point we'll go go back and go back and look at what's going on with those picks. Yeah, yeah. I'd be down for that. Yeah. And right. yeah, if there's a problem with RSS, you'll be on YouTube. I don't think there should be this week again, but should be on both. I'll put it on YouTube too. Just screw it, you know. 
So why not? Yeah. Uh, anything else we got going on? Pray for me. I hope I feel better. I'll be I'm praying Frankie. that you can. I'm down um, bad, man. I'm come down to the, bad. the A's game on Saturday. We need to watch Frankie again. Exactly. Yeah. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Go A's and Warriors. Later.